Hello and good day and welcome us all to the Bible study. First Kings, Jesus, beholding Jesus in the book of First Kings. Let's be good to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we worship and we adore you. Thank you, Almighty God, for the salvation of our souls. Thank you, Almighty God, for your living word, the word of truth, the word of life. Almighty God, sanctify us by your truth. Establish us by the word that we will study today. Bring us into a deeper fellowship and communion with you and let your name be glorified in our lives. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. We once again are continuing in our study. Last time we met, we looked at the book of Second Samuel. Um, the focus was also on Jesus in the Second Samuel. Now, this whole study is inspired by... Uh, Jesus' encounter with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through to 27, and I read. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I'll read 27 again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus was on the way to Emmaus with his disciples. They seemingly did not uh, appreciate his presence, and they were quite perplexed and worried. Um, after confronting them, he told them that the scriptures spoke about him. He started from Moses, the book of the law, through the prophets, right through to show them that the scriptures were actually speaking about himself. So we want to try to trace the same journey and to, well, look through, look at each book and then look in particular at Jesus in each particular book. So we've come to First Kings today. Now First Kings opens up in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, with Abishag, the Shunammite lady. David is on the throne. He's growing old. He's growing elderly. His reign is virtually coming to an end. Um, he, has, he has emotional needs. And Abishag, Shunammite's young lady, is found to, 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 to meet his emotional needs, to look after him physically, to be there, to just... Um, Give me you know, to pleasure him. I read from First Kings chapter three, chapter one, verse three and four. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag the Shunammite and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. So Abishag met his emotional needs, his physical needs. Up, up, up to it, up to the particular point that um, King David did not have specific relationships with her, did not have relationships with her. She, she lived like a concubine in the in the palace, but you know, not not as a wife. Um, why Abishag? We'll, we'll get we'll get there in a minute. In verse three and four of this of the first of the same chapter one, we come across. Adonijah. Adonijah, I'll read and then we'll take the commentary. Uh, 
Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself and said, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He also was very good looking. His mother had born him after Absalom. Now, the, the, the key words to note is that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself and saying, I will be king. It was not, uh, Adonijah was not firstborn. He, he, he had no rights. He, he had no rights to the, to kingship, but he saw a gap. He saw a, a vacuum and he sought to fill that vacuum by himself. He got people to speak and he got people to proclaim him. Let's not forget, he was following in the footsteps of Absalom. He had seen Absalom in rebellion and how Absalom had tried to take the kingdom from the father. And he was still following in that same spirit. Um, Of course, these were repercussions of King David's uh, relationship with the wife of Uriah. Remember with we, we looked at that in, in the books of Samuel, but that's not the issue today. Adonijah exalted himself to be king, and David had not spoken against it. Nathan, Nathan, remember, was also the prophet that had the encounter with David um, in the case of Uriah's wife Bathsheba. Nathan, in verse 11 of the same chapter 1, goes to Bathsheba. I read verse 11. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David, our Lord, does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. And he advises uh, Bathsheba what she should do, what she should speak to uh, King Solomon. Verse 17 Verse 17, let's listen to what Bathsheba says to the king. Then she said to him, My Lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now my lord the king, and you do not know about it. Verse 21, Otherwise, it will happen when my lord, the king, rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. So Bathsheba goes to King Bathsheba goes to King David and says, "Look, you you swore to me that my son Solomon shall <coughs> shall sit on the throne, but what is happening is different from that which you have spoken." Uh, it looks, it, it appears that you are not aware of what is going on. And if this thing is allowed to stay, uh, her life and the life of her son would be at great risk, in grave danger. Uh, Solomon, uh, immediately David uh, does something about it. In verse 30, this is David's reply back to Bathsheba. Just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do. The, I will certainly will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, "Let my king, let my lord, King David, live forever." 
So David stands by his words, his words of assurance, and he ensures that Solomon is announced publicly. He has Solomon riding on uh, riding on the king's horse. He has his the priests, he, he, the, the priests of Israel, he, the prophets. He have the praising as he has them going behind Solomon. So the whole city knows that this has the imprint, this has the approval of King David. Meanwhile, Adonijah had announced himself by himself to the whole town. Now they have an official announcement, they have an official acclamation that Solomon is the chosen of the king. So what happens immediately to Adonijah? Verse 50 of the same chapter 1. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, if he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness, if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, go to your house. Now, there is very deep, we need to understand very deeply what is going on here. Um, Adonijah realizes that it's, he, has, he, he, he has, you know, taken part, he has actually performed a coup d'etat and has been caught. And the punishment of um, doing that is actually death. What does um, Adonijah do? He runs to the altar of the temple and takes hold of the temple. He uh, takes hold of the horns of the temple. Now the, the temple, the temple is the place where all Israel had to gather to worship Almighty God. Now, the, the particular um, horn, the particular horns of the temple that represented the place where the sacrifices were made. And when he took hold of the horns of the temple, he was saying, I identify with the sacrifices that were made. The sacrifices were made for the atonement of the sins of Israel. So, and when God's, Almighty God saw the sacrifice at the, at the, uh, in, the, uh, in the place of atonement, he forgave the children of Israel. So, what Adonijah was actually doing was identifying with the sacrifice, taking up, he's bringing his sin and confessing it before God. And God, in mercy, seeing the sacrifice, forgive the children of Israel, and because Adonijah held on to the altar, comes under that forgiveness. But do take note of what Solomon said. If he is of a, if he's a man of a right standing, let him be. But if, he, if not, well, there will be repercussions for it. So Solomon did not just, you know, just as an act of benevolence, just let um, Adonijah go like that. The point was, you take hold of the horns of this, you take horns of the altar, you identify with the sacrifice of the whole altar. That speaks of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross. 
when we take hold of the cross, when we come in true repentance and we take hold of the cross and ask God for forgiveness and for mercy, he forgives us our sins and he cleanses our spirit, cleanses our soul and we become children of God. We identify with the, we identify with the cross and receive forgiveness. But if you come to the cross without true repentance, you come to the cross just as a matter of words. You come to a cross not with, not with true intentions for any other purpose other than the mercy that is mediated at the cross. It is of no consequence, just as we'll soon see in the case of Adonijah. He came to the cross in the, in the stead that he should have been punished, but because the, the horns of the altar spoke of the mercy of God, he enjoyed that mercy. But is that the, <clears throat> is that the end of the matter? Let's go back to First Kings chapter 2 and verse 17. Adonijah goes to Bathsheba. And he says to Bathsheba, who is King Solomon's mother, then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as wife. Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king arose, rose up to meet her, bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne, had a throne set up for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand, and she said, I desire one small petition of you, do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah your brother as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him, and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab, and for the son of Zeruah. Adonijah was being cunning here. Adonijah was being very cunning here. If Abishag had been given to him, Abishag who had been known to be the concubine, the comfort lady for King David, had been given to Adonijah as wife. That signified that King David had given his personal, his personal uh, concubine, his personal comforter to Adonijah, and Adonijah would then have a right to make to to to, to the throne. Solomon, seeing the mischief in the demand, said to the mother. You probably don't understand. There's a hidden, there's a hidden mischief underneath Adonijah's desire. It clearly shows that he had not repented from the coup. He had come by another means, and he would be put to death. Verse 25 of Second Kings. So Solomon, so King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and died. Adonijah's rebellion, Adonijah's uh, mischief had received its true reward. May we not come to the cross in mischief. May we not come to the cross with a hidden agenda. May our hearts be true to the master. A similar situation happened with Joab, Joab the general. First Kings chapter 2 verse 28 to 29 
Um, this is shortly after Adonijah had been executed. The news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah. Though he had not defected to Absalom, so Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent to Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go and strike him down. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought back the word to the king, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered him. Joab, hoping and believing, Joab who had uh, killed Abner, Joab who had thought that, yes, Adonijah is now king, I will go along with Adonijah. Um, he had he, he, he had played the evil card and had made, had, had made alliance with Adonijah. Adonijah has now been executed. He is now to face the anger and the wrath of King Solomon. So he hopes that by going to hold on to the horns of the altar, that he will, he will escape the judgment that he truly, that he truly, uh, that is the true response to his betrayer. And King Solomon says, he has not come to the altar out of a true heart, out of a right spirit. Strike him down, cast him away, kill, let him be killed once and for all. We cannot take the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on our behalf as something a light thing. Let us come to the cross in true repentance. Let us, let us have a full appreciation of what Christ accomplished on all of our behalf. There is not a name under heaven given amongst men by which might be saved, but the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is about coming to Christ Jesus, recognizing his sacrifice on our behalf, coming in repentance, seeking his forgiveness, and receiving his forgiveness, receiving his mercy, and living our lives as Christians because of his grace. That's the beginning and the completeness of the message of salvation. And it's enacted here, as we see in First Kings, in the encounter of Joab, in the encounter of Adonijah. Come to the horns of the altar. Come to the cross and receive the life of Christ Jesus. Let's continue in our study of the book of First Kings. First Kings is, can actually be divided into two parts. Chapters 1 to 11 basically talk about the kingship of Solomon, while chapters 12 to 22, 12 to the end, talk about all the other kings over Israel and Judah. Essentially, David had united Israel and Judah. Solomon, is on, Solomon his son, becomes king, and he is king over the United Kingdom. He's king over the United Kingdom of Judah and Israel. Now, Let's look at the let's look at the wisdom of Solomon, the magnificence. Let's let's look at Solomon. Solomon Solomon is now king. For him to rule over the people of Israel, Almighty God comes to First Kings chapter three, verse eight to nine. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered. Or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? 
Almighty God had visited Solomon just after he had been anointed as king and asked, and asked Solomon, what do you desire? He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for the head of his enemies. He could have asked for wealth beyond. Um, what does he seek? He seeks the wisdom of God to lead the people. He seeks the wisdom of God, the wisdom to know how to lead the people uh, according to the fear and according to the purpose of Almighty God. And Almighty God, in hearing his request, says, you did not ask all the other things, but you asked for the wisdom of God. I will bless you with the wisdom of God, and I will bless you with all the other things which you did not um, ask for. That's the, I mean, the response of Almighty God to, to Solomon's request. Verse 12 to 14. So let, let, let me highlight it from 13. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. The blessings of God, yes, they are without the, the blessing, they are without repentance, but there are conditions. There are conditions to maintain that blessing. Solomon was blessed with wisdom, blessed with blessed with riches, blessed with all the other things that he did not ask for. But the condition was walk in righteousness just as your father David walked. Yes, it's about coming to the cross and receiving salvation coming to the cross and experiencing the grace of God. We continue to walk in the grace of God in righteousness and in holiness that we may continue to abide in his blessings, abide in his presence. It is about coming to Christ. It's about walking in righteousness and in truth. And because we are walking in righteousness and in truth, Almighty God will add even blessings that we, we have not asked for. It's about the key thing is about walking in fellowship and in communion with God Almighty. We see the demonstration of that, the wisdom that God had blessed Solomon with, the two women, one whose child died and the other one whose the other child was living, and in the night, uh, and at night, the one whose child died swapped the babies and there was a controversy. I believe we all know about it. First Kings chapter 3, verse 16, we can, we, 3 verse 16 and read through from 16 right through to 20 about yeah to 28 uh, we're not going to that today Solomon asked for the wisdom of God Solomon asked for the wisdom of God I read first Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God I read that again, but to those, the, the sentence actually starts off in verse 22 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jewish, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Solomon asked for the wisdom of God. Solomon was actually asking for the manifestation of Christ Jesus in, 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 in leading the children of Israel. So we see that the wisdom that Christ, the, the wisdom that Solomon demonstrated, the blessings that followed the wisdom, 
is actually the life of Christ manifested in the life of Solomon. Solomon was a man of great prosperity. First Kings chapter 4, verse 20 to 21. First, uh, Solomon wrote many proverbs, great wisdom. First Kings chapter 4, verse 32. And beautifully, Solomon built the temple that David had not been allowed to build. First Kings chapter 5, verse 4 to 5. I read First Kings chapter 5, verse 4 to 5. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. So Solomon had the privilege to build the house of God, the place of fellowship, the place of communion, the place of the revelation of the heart and the mind of God. We could go into the we could go into the construction of the temple. We could go into the individual components. The temple speaks about Christ Jesus. The temple is the place of fellowship with God. That privilege was given to that privilege was given to Solomon to build. In First Kings chapter six and verse one, he actually completed the temple. First Kings six one, and it came to pass in four hundred and eightieth year, after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. And then when we get to verse uh, thirty-eight, and in the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month. The house of finished in all his details according to all his plans. So he was seven years in building it. Seven years of peace, seven years of prosperity, seven years of the presence of God. I prophesy to you that going forward, you will know peace, you will know abundance, you will know the presence of God. And every plan of the Almighty God to be accomplished by you, it will. Come, it will come to fruition. It will bring forth the glory and the presence of the Almighty God in your family, in your home, and in all that pertain to you. None shall be missing. No plan of the Almighty God shall fall to the ground. Every word of the Almighty God shall come to accomplishment in your behalf in the mighty name of Jesus. In First Kings chapter 8 and verse 1, the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the house of God. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 1. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers and the children of Israel, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion. In verse, in verse 6, 8, chapter 8 and verse 6, then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. And in verse 10, And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. The glory of the Lord will fill your own home, will fill your own life, will crown you with his grace and mercy as you do the will and the good pleasure of the Almighty God. You will walk with the Lord and the Lord will walk with you and will increase and enlarge us round about 
in the mighty name of Jesus. So as Solomon walked with God, as Solomon walked with the wisdom of God, as Solomon walked in righteousness and the holiness of God, the life of Christ Jesus was an outpouring through his life. We see the prosperity, we see the increase, and we see the enlargement. Now in 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 5, we see the promise of God whose expression was throughout the ages. Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have said before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them and the house which I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out my out of my sight Israel will be a proverb and a byword among the peoples. Now, Almighty God had promised to David, you will ever have a man to sit on the throne, ever. That was, the, that was to be fulfilled in Christ who is sitting on the throne of God in our behalf. That promise is reaffirmed, is reaffirmed to Solomon. You shall I read from verse, uh, verse 5b, as I promised David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Uh, the, 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 the physical throne and there's the eternal throne of the eternal throne in heaven of Israel and we are a part of that Israel and sitting on that throne is Christ Jesus our Lord Christ Jesus our Savior Christ Jesus our Redeemer chapter the, the whole of 2 to 9 addresses that then we have the, the visit of the Queen of Sheep I mean they come to they come to see the magnificent, the glory of the Almighty God. Now, the news of the, the, the story of Solomon would have been just wonderful if he had continued that way. But then, we begin to see certain things that happen. First Kings chapter 11 and verse 1 to 2. For King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. So Solomon loved women, particularly of the nationalities that Almighty God had forbidden Israel to marry, forbidding Israel to marry, and Solomon just loved these women. That was the beginning of his downfall. That was the beginning, indeed, of terrible things that began to happen to, um, to, to Solomon. In chapter 5 and verse 6, these foreign women caused him to set up foreign idols. Chapter Chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully, and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. He made, he, he made gods for the, for the, for the gods of the wives, the, 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 the gods that they serve. He built places of worship. In verse, 7 to 8, then Solomon built a high place 
for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. Evil associations, evil company, they lead, they would lead, they, he that thinketh he stand, let him take heed lest he fall. Solomon enjoyed favor, Solomon enjoyed the abundant grace of God. He went outside the place of grace, married women that were of the nations that the Almighty God had forbidden them to marry. Probably I said in his heart, I'm in right standing. Nothing, these women cannot swear him. But Solomon, with all the wisdom, he fell for these women, established their idols, he took part in the worship of, the, of these idols, and he was a part of this thing. Was, this thing was, and this thing brought forth the anger of God. Verse 9. Second King of First Kings chapter eleven, First Kings chapter eleven from verse nine. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning the thing that he should not go after other gods, for he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and have not kept my covenant, nor my statutes, which I have commanded you, I shall surely I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. We come to part two. First Kings chapter eleven, verse fourteen. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite, he was a descendant of the king of Edom in verse 23 and God raised up another adversary against him Rizon, the son of Elida who had fled from his lord Adadiza, king of Zobah then the most terrible one, Jeroboam in verse 26, 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 26 then, Jer then Solomon's servant Jeroboam, the son of Nebat an Ephraimite from Zerada whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow also rebelled against the king. So rebellion all round, rebellion all round. What, does, what is the consequence of this? Verse 31 of 1 Kings chapter 11. And he said to, to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for so says the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and and will give ten, give ten tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me, worshipped the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Marathites, Milcom, the god of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that what is right my, and, and what is right in my sight, and keep my statutes and my judgments as David his father. So Solomon, because of his worship of the false gods, everything is taken from him. The, the kingdom is, di is divided and, is in, and the, everybody is in revolt. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 12. And Rehoboam sent to Shechem, to all Israel, <clears throat> for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. He was still in Egypt. For he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, had been dwelling, then this, that they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, 
your father made your yoke heavy, now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam, unfortunately, while he was walking walking under the judgment of his father Solomon, unfortunately, uh, did not know how to respond back to the elders. So Rehoboam, so um, Jeroboam led a rebellion, and we see the separation of the kingdom. Ten nationalities, ten tribes went with Jeroboam, and then one tribe, Judah, was left with Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Uh, so the dynasty of King David, King David to Solomon to Rehoboam. Jeroboam had no business, but because he was the local powerful man, he collects off 12, uh, 12, of the, uh, 12 of the tribes. And we see a succession of evil and wicked rulers over the 10 tribes, while righteous leadership is over the, the, the line. Yes, you have a few bad rulers in the lineage of Solomon, Rehoboam going forward. But in the case of the 10 tribes, is evil upon evil. And it's, it's instructive for us to look at a few or one or two of the, uh, one or two of the scriptures. First Kings chapter 16. First Kings chapter 16, verse 30 to 33. First Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebah, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbar, king of Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In the days of Heel, of Bethel, built Jericho, he laid his foundations with Abiram, his firstborn, with his younger son Sigil, he set up his gates. According to the word of the Lord, we are spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So we have here Ahab, the son of Obri, the, the son of, of Omri, who did such terrible, terrible. Omri, his father, was evil. He himself was horribly, horribly, horribly evil. And he did that which was an abomination. He did sacrifice of his son. He did everything to, everything to, to anger the Almighty God. When we get to First Kings chapter 17, that's the confrontation between um, the prophets, between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. How did the prophets of Baal come into place? It was Ahab that had opened the way. Ahab that had opened. He did that which was evil, so terribly evil in the sight of the Lord. Interestingly enough, as evil as Ahab was, let's look at First Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25 to 26. Judgment is being pronounced against Jezebel. Judgment is being pronounced against Ahab from verse 20 right through to verse 24. Now, this is uh, the response indeed of Ahab. But there was no one like Ahab 
who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because of Jezebel his wife, because his Jezebel his wife stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in the following, in following idols, according to all that the Ammonites, Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was, when Ahab heard those words, that he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, and fasted and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. Ahab had done evil. Judgment had been pronounced. When he heard the judgment that was to be pronounced upon him, he fell down in repentance. Genuine repentance. Fell down, tore his clothes. I am nothing. I am useless. I am zero. And he, and he cries before the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I'll bring the calamity on his house. Ahab had done evil, received the judgment, come in repentance before him. Because of his repentance, repentance, the judgment had passed. Not passed completely, went on to the sons. It was now up to the sons to do different, now to follow in the footsteps of Ahab's repentance and to receive mercy. But what do the sons do? They continue in the in wickedness of the father. But the last days of Ahab, because of that repentance, because of that repentance, he enjoyed mercy. It's never too late for any one of us to turn to the Almighty God and to receive his mercy. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ is being revealed in First Kings. To give us the fullness of God's grace, God's mercy. Now, what does First Kings speak to us? First, the message in conclusion, what's the message of First Kings? First Kings tells us that rulership outside of outside of the wisdom outside of the wisdom of God is futile. We see that in the ten tribes led by Jeroboam and all the wicked kings. We see that rulership with the compassion of God, with the love of God. While Solomon was walking in step with God, the, the people, the land prospered, he prospered, and everybody prospered. The third point that we need to note, when the ruler goes outside of the will of God, the people will follow the, the leader, the people will naturally follow the leader. When the ruler does not have respect, for the character and the, and the person of Almighty God, the people follow thereafter, and it brings judgment and destruction. When Solomon began to follow after 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 foreign women, he brought uh, he brought destruction. He brought destruction. If it was not the mercy of God, there's always the mercy of God for every, for people to talk to turn to. So, by the grace of God, First Kings once more speaks to us. Yes, it speaks about the the life of King Solomon and people of Israel, but the deeper meaning, the deeper truth is Christ revealed in us. Blessed be His holy name. Let's bow down our heads and pray. So, Heavenly Father, once more we give you the praise, give you the honor, we give you the adoration. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Thank you for the revelation of your truth. Father, ingrain in our heart your purpose even by this word. Help us to walk worthy of you, that our lives might be fruitful in your presence, that your grace might abound on our account. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.
Amen and Amen.